And now to this week's legal drama, the scene, the Fulton County Jail. The event, Donald Trump and his alleged co-conspirators surrendering to Georgia authorities on charges that they schemed to subvert the 2020 election. CNN's Caitlin Polance is, where else, live in front of a courthouse. This time, it is in Fulton County in Atlanta. Caitlin, walk us through what is going to happen there. Well, Dana, there's action in two places here in Fulton County, Georgia, following the indictment of Donald Trump and 18 others here at the courthouse where the district attorney, prosecutors and others work and then over at the jail. And what we are learning here on the ground, Jason Morris, Holmes Libran, Zach Cohen and I is that Donald Trump's attorneys are very likely to be working out his bond terms today in a negotiation with the district attorney. Now, we haven't seen them yet here on the ground, and we're not sure if we will. We have seen some prosecutors working on this case here around the courthouse complex. But once they get those terms set, then there will be a wait for Donald Trump to go over to the jail, turn himself in, be arrested, processed, and have to spend a little bit of time in that infamous space that has really become the subject of a lot of uh, looking at making sure the conditions there are okay uh, because there have been so much criticism about the conditions inside the jail insects and others. So it's not a place where Donald Trump's lawyers or Trump himself would want to spend a lot of time. That's why he and other lawyers would be working out bond conditions ahead of time so that they can move very quickly because that is uh, a different aspect of the criminal justice system at that jail that Trump and others would have to face, Trump now being a criminal defendant in four different cases, this process will look a little bit different than what he had to do in federal court when he was arrested. I'll say thank you so much for that, Caitlin. Here with me, a former FBI director, Andrew McCabe, former federal prosecutor, Elliot Williams, and CNN's Evan Perez. So Evan, what are you hearing? Well, let me just start by, start by asking you this, and I want... Um, these other two gentlemen to add to it. For, for those of us who have not uh, surrendered to, uh, to allegations right. and to indictments, particularly in, in a place like Fulton County, which as Caitlin rightly pointed out, is gonna be a very different yeah. process and atmosphere yeah. That even even in New York, but certainly with the federal indictments that we've seen. He's gotten so much deference from the system up to this point. They have made sure he can get in and out in within minutes. Uh, certainly the federal federal system doesn't release any 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 mug shots. The New York uh, state also does not release mug shots. And the Fulton County system, however, has th their law. Uh, allows for the release of mugshots. And according to the sheriff there, they're going to treat him like any other defendant. He's going to show up at the jail, not at the courthouse where he's been processed on his previous three arrests. And so that, you know, just brings the, the extraordinary part of this even more uh, into, into extraordinary territory. So there will right? be a mugshot. There will be a mugshot uh, is what we expect, according mm -hmm. to the sheriff. And uh, under Georgia law, it is releasable. So it is possible for the first time that we're going to see one. And again, the former president, uh, they have kind of his, at least his fundraising arm has been very, very gleeful at the idea of this because they thought they could fundraise off it. As a matter of fact, I think uh, they created fake they ones. They did. Right, at the beginning, that, yeah. right? So that's where I think we're going to get into this realm of the surreal later this week. Uh, when we anticipate he's going to try to make maximum uh, advantage, take a ma maximum advantage of his surrender. I think that Surreal left the building a long time ago. <laughs> they don't live here no more. No.
you know, we've for each one of these events, we've talked about how important it is that the system treat all defendants the same and that the former president go through the same steps that everyone else go through. But that has not happened yet. As uh, Evan points out, uh, he has been given enormous deference. I'm told they didn't even take photographs at either of the two federal uh, processing and arraignment days, which is quite remarkable. I don't know, there's nothing offensive about a photograph, especially one that would not have been released to the public. Nevertheless, this process will be different. He's not going to be arraigned on the day he's processed. He just goes to the jail, uh, works out the terms of his bail, which will probably be done in advance. We're hearing that from, from Caitlin. Um, and then he's fingerprinted, photographed, and officially booked. And that should happen. Now, as, as you're, you were speaking, we were looking at photographs uh, and the names of the other 18 alleged uh, co-conspirators in this case. The first one, of course, the former president. You just heard Elliot Caitlin uh, talk about their reporting about the negotiations going on today about how it's going to go down, how the bond will work and, and things like that. As somebody who has yeah. probably been involved in such negotiations, again, not yeah. with a former president, uh, walk us through yeah. that. So setting aside the question of does he get special treatment or not, the question being answered is number one, is this person a flight risk? And number two, are they a danger to the community? Now setting aside what many people believe about the former president, you're looking at the alleged crimes and you're looking at his ability to get out of town. The most famous person on the planet simply is not a flight risk, and they will decide, in all likelihood, that they don't need to put to, to lock him up prior to trial. All the bond decision is about is just trying to ensure that the person shows up to the next hearing, and they have no reason to believe. Again, setting aside the seriousness of the crime or who it is or the defendant, his notoriety, um, so he's not going to be held held uh, behind bars. Now, they may set a dollar amount for his bond; they may make him post something like that. But beyond that, it, it's business as usual. I want to also look at what Mark Meadows said uh, when he was, uh, his lawyers gave a, uh, a statement to the federal court, excuse me, the, to the, yes, it was the federal court, thank you, asked the federal court to dismiss charges in Georgia. He's, the lawyer said, Mr. Meadows served a critically important advice and assist function that has been firmly entrenched in federal law for nearly 100 years. The conduct charged here fails Squarely within, fall squarely within the scope of Mr. Meadows' duties as chief of staff and the federal policy underlying that role. It, it, How do we read into that? No, look, it's a real it's a real effort that they're making and one that you know under normal circumstances could very well succeed. Right, the former president. Uh, his chief of staff was working with him to try to ascertain whether there was fraud, and, and that's a very good argument that they're making. What he's charged with is going beyond that, right? And what the, what the prosecutors are alleging is that Mark Meadows went beyond just his normal duties. Uh, your normal duties as a chief of staff of the, of the president does not usually include uh, committing crimes. And so that's what they're alleging that he did. And so that's where he is going to run up uh, against, you know, the law, especially in the 11th Circuit, which does not usually favor moving cases out of state court like this. Yeah, the, the removal and dismissal are two sides of the same strategy. You have to get the case removed first, and then you make the motion, which he has now to be, to have the matter dismissed because you allege that you are acting within the scope of your authority. The, despite their confident 
uh, language in their papers, which we all expected, and he might actually prevail on that argument. The, the devil is in the details, and the court is going to look at exactly what he's been alleged in, uh, what he is alleged to have engaged in, and whether or not those acts were part of his authority under federal law. And I think there's a very compelling argument to say it was not. I want to get your thoughts first on numbers that were really striking in the latest CBS News poll. And the question was about Trump voters. Who do they trust more than anyone else? Uh, Trump, 71%. Their own friends and family, 63%. Conservative media, 56%. Religious leaders, 42%. Once again, Donald (laughs) Trump has thrown the country uh, upside down on top of its head. I think maybe you could flip that graph and go back 10 years and keep the same same numbers. It's, it is remarkable. He is the, probably the most effective public messenger we've ever seen in terms of delivering his own message to his audience. It is, uh, they believe everything he says, despite the fact that he's been proven to have mm-hmm. misled them hundreds of indeed thousands of times. And, you know, it's look, this is the playing out in real life that I could shoot anyone on Fifth Avenue and still get away with it. That you're talking about homicide there. And I think maybe that might have been a clearer example. I think part of what perhaps the president's supporters are struggling with is the kinds of questions that what you just asked Evan a moment ago. It's a little bit abstract to people, this question of where the line between candidate Trump Mm -hmm. ended candidate aide uh, Mark Meadows ended and uh, the people who worked for the government did. It's, it's a little blurry and confusing to many people. Well, intentionally so. Yes. Which is yes. one of the reasons why former President Trump is candidate Trump right. again. Thank you guys very much. 